Hello, this is Rabbi Mark Soloway. Welcome to A Dash of Drush, weekly reflections on our world through the lens of Torah. Hello, after a really long break, I'm back, we are back with A Dash of Drush, and I'm speaking from a basement on the Upper West Side of Manhattan in New York. It is snowing outside, and I am here with a lovely old friend that I haven't seen for a while. We've known each other for more than 20 years. We've been Chavruta, study partners. We started our rabbinic journey together, and I'm here with my friend Rabbi Greg Alexander, who is a rabbi in Cape Town, South Africa, and is currently here with his family on sabbatical in New York City, and this is actually his last day here. Hi, Greg. Hello, how's it, Mark? Hello, everybody out there, and uh, beautiful to be with you. It's so good to, to see you. We've just been sort of reminiscing about some of our circles of friendship. We don't see each other that often, being that we live so so far away. We've spent time together over the years in London, in Jerusalem, in Cape Town, uh, now in New York. There may have been some other places along the way. I can't remember. Switzerland, maybe? Mm-hmm. But... There's this very extraordinary tradition that we were talking about just yesterday on Shabbat of when you see someone, when you haven't seen them for more than a year, there is a bracha, a blessing that you say, which is which means blessed is the one, the source of life who brings back the dead or who gives life to the dead. It's a bit of a strange bracha to be saying, wouldn't you say? It's a very strange bracha to be saying. And there's all kinds of ideas about why we say it. By the way, just so that people people know, if you see a friend you haven't seen for a month, you say, which means who has kept us alive and sustained us and allowed us to reach this moment where we're back together in our circle of friendship. But the Mechayim team, there was a, a, a teaching of a Hasidic Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Pinchas of Koretz, who quoting the Zohar said that what what's happening is that when two people become friends with each other, they there's something about their friendship that the two lights of their souls kind of merge, and that union of light gives birth to an angel who is known as the angel of friendship. And the angel of friendship only survives when the friends are together, or if they are parted from each other, she will survive for a year, but after a year is gone, she kind of dies. But when the friends come back together again, uh, she's kind of reborn, the reignited, the angel of friendship comes back to life. And so we say, Blessed is one who brought the angel of friendship back to life. So what do you think about that? That whole idea of angels coming back to life, about friendship, chavruta, there's so much that we could reflect on. Yeah, I mean, it's also a, a powerful uh, message about the cycle of the year that, um, you know, that there's so much that happens in a cycle of one year. Uh, and Judaism gives us ways to track that. Uh, every season, every moment, every ritual, and uh, Hanukkah coming around the corner, every light we light, um, we're marking the steps of that year. And uh, if the angel is bereft without uh, being able to connect in that whole year, that whole cycle, that whole season, um, then that uh, requires a renewal of life. And uh, that's what we've just experienced, a beautiful opportunity to reconnect. It has been lovely. We, we, we spent, just so people know, um, we've spent 
this um, Shabbat together in, in New York, really pretty much the whole Shabbat um, with, with Greg and his, his family, his wife, partner, Andy, and their, and their three kids, uh, Manny and Tani and, and Yazzie. And one of the things that was so sweet, I mean, there were many, many, many sweet moments, but one of the things that was so sweet was that your youngest daughter, well, your only daughter, actually, but your, your youngest uh, child, Yazzie, was very, very excited about this project of making special little angel cards that we shared throughout the course of Shabbat. The idea being that just as we welcome Shabbat angels, we bring in a word that maybe connects to something that we might need to receive from an angel or something we might need to be blessed uh, with from an, from an angel. And um, I, I just felt like in the, the excitement and the laughter mm. of your daughter, I felt like there was some angel sort of energy com coming, coming through her. And that was definitely a part of our Shabbat, right? Definitely. And I think appropriately I drew the angel of mystery um, the un unraveling of the mystery of uh, spending three months in New York, but uh, more importantly, I guess the the mysteries of life. We're uh, in in this uh, month of Kislev, um, which is interpreted in many ways, but one of the ways is Kisui, from the root of um, uh, covered or, or hidden, uh, the hidden heart. That when we're lighting the Hanukkah candles, we're revealing. Uh, things, uh, deep mysteries um, that have been hidden, and uh, I think this Shabbat was a uh, it was a beautiful a beautiful light uh, in the midst of the the cold winter here. Uh, being able to be with my family with you, Mark. Um, beautiful simchas up here on the Upper West Side. Lovely communities that we've davened with, um, but just being able to sit around a table and enjoy the beauty of Shabbat with family and a very very special friend. Yeah. yeah, this the mystery of, of, of hidden light in uh, in Kabbalah. There's this whole idea of organus, like a light mm. that's that's hidden for us. And there's something about as we enter into this dark month. Uh, ironically, of course, you're going to be returning to a different <laughs> hemisphere where you're going to be the height of summer. But here in this hemisphere, in the northern hemisphere, we will be entering the the darkest uh, time of year. And of course, we have this festival of light coming up. But before we go there, maybe we'll say more about that, about hidden and revealed and the nature of, of, of light. Let's not leave the angels alone. And of course, the angels uh, creep into to this week's uh, Parsha. We're going to be reading Parshat Vayetze, which is this extraordinary, extraordinary portion in the Torah where, where Yaakov, Jacob, is sort of running away, really, thinking his brother probably wants to kill him. So yeah, he's he's on the road. He's um, he's probably terrified, but I guess there's a there's a deep part of him that uh, feels that uh, on the one hand, um, what's happened uh, at home needed uh, in some way to happen. He needed to walk the path that uh, that he knew he had to walk. Uh, on the other hand, he's he's homeless. He's going to a land that he doesn't know, uh, a destination that. Uh, has a connection with his family, but he's never been there. And he's about to leave Eretz Israel, the, the land of his birth, uh, of his family, but also the holy land. And um, there's a part of him that doesn't, doesn't uh, trust that that's actually going to be okay. Um, and uh, he has this dream with the ladder, you know, that's foot in the ground and it's uh, head in the, in the heaven. Um, 
and uh, these angels that are going up and going down the ladder. And it's it's so extraordinary because I mean the, the the Torah implies a kind of randomness. He, he says He like he happens to come across this particular place, and then he goes to sleep, and his pillow is a rock, mm. and then he has this this powerful dream. And the rabbis in the in the famous midrash, which is quoted in the Talmud, says that really this there's nothing random about this happening and actually Yaakov is connected to the to Ma'ariv which is our evening prayer service just as Yitzchak in last week's Parsha is connected to to Mincha the afternoon service and then before that Abraham connected to Shacharit the morning service and there's a way in which these encounters that these three these three patriarchs have that somehow inform something about our relationship with prayer You've just triggered a memory for me of our Chavrita, um, studying this parsha with Aviva Zorenberg uh, in Jerusalem, um, and some of the midrashim around Vayivka uh, b'Makom, and uh, uh, there's a connection in in generations, and there's a connection in space, um, because the the rock is not just a random rock, it's not a random time, it's not a random space. Um, the rock is also the foundation stone that will be the foundation stone of the Beit HaMikdash. So all of these... The Beit HaMikdash um, is the, the, the holy temple in Jerusalem. So all of yeah. these lines of connection intersect at this moment and there is where the ladder is situated. But the there really can be anywhere because Hamakom, the place, I mean when wake up Jacob, when Jacob wakes up from the dream there's this sort of increased awareness that he has yeah. that as you as you said he's probably feeling all of these conflicting emotions about uh, his you know his fear maybe even some shame about what he did to his brother who knows mm. um, and yet there's something about this powerful dream and we know that dreams are uh, or can be extremely powerful messages for us there's these angels that sort of infuse his dream and then he wakes up and he says how awesome is this place? This place, God was here and I didn't even know it. Mm. As if to say that uh, I've always seen that as being the possibility of inviting that kind of consciousness into any space, whether it's New York or Budapest or... Oh, Budapest, that's another place where, where you and I have spent time. Uh, whether it's New York or Budapest or Cape Town or Boulder, Colorado, there's this, this sense that we can get so lost in our own inner worlds, our narratives, our negative stories that we tell ourselves, our lack of faith, our lack of hope, blah, 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 you name it. But ultimately, we have these profound moments where we just go, wow, manorahama komazeh. And, uh, you know, as, as, uh, as Jacob, as uh, Wacob jakes up, he's um, <laughs> astounded by the, uh, the notion of the place that he was in, but he didn't realize it, that uh, maybe all of us are asleep and unaware of the the holiness of the space. Uh, in fact, again, a, a beautiful memory of our Chavrita history was um, during rabbinical school when we used to uh, cycle around. Mark, Mark and I were uh, taking on the tough streets of London wherever we, we went, we cycled. And uh, we used to have our, our sfarim in our, in our bag and uh, we would stop off at a bar or a pub or a cafe and uh, make it into a, a Beit Midrash, make it into a, a place of study with holy texts um, between us. Um, that was... Yeah, I, I have good memories of that too. And we, and we did it sort of, I mean, with uh, sort of amusingly consciously. I mean, we, we sort of like, 
we said we're gonna this is maybe just be a random cafe but we're gonna turn it into a house of study absolutely and uh, that was that was definitely a, an important part of, of my my memory and of those early and not always easy hmm. days of rabbinical school back then yeah we're talking 1998 when we started right is that what we said yeah been more than 20 years ago and it's also about uh, journeys, you know, we've had so many journeys together and, and individually. Um, Jacob is on a journey, uh, like we said before, doesn't, doesn't really know where it's going to unfold. Um, but he's aware in this dream that there are angels that accompany you on your journey. Um, and as you said, the, the text says that the angels were olim v'yordimbo, the angels were going up and coming down. And we were discussing before the implication that uh, uh, we would assume the text to say the angels were coming down and going up the ladder. Why would it say they were going up and coming down? Surely angels reside in heaven and they come down to us on earth. But here it implies that the angels start down, go up and then come down. Um, and there's one, uh, there's one midrash that says that this was a changing of the God. So there's so the text says that the angels were olim v'yordimbo, uh, were going up and coming down, and there's one midrash that says that um, the angels that were olim that were leaving, were the angels of Eretz Israel of the land of Israel where he's grown up and lived his whole life, uh, and they are now that uh, uh, that group of of angels that were guarding him are now having to leave and hand over to the angels of Chutzlaaretz, the angels of outside of the land, as he makes his journey onward. That even if, um, even if sometimes you might feel that there are not angels accompanying you, um, each space and its place and each part of our journey uh, has angels um, that walk with us along the way. And, that's, and I, I love that in how it does relate to journeys, the idea there is this beautiful liturgy that's connected to tefillat derech, the sort of blessings that we say before we embark on a journey. And on the one level, it's just a, a blessing that asks that we be protected from all of the kinds of obstacles and, and pitfalls that might befall you on a, on a journey, which for the ancient world was certainly like wild beasts and bandits, but we have our equivalent of wild beasts and bandits. But then we add these verses at the end of it, which, which says, wow, Machanayim, like it's 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 a camp where we we see um, angels, and so we it's like we're saying every time we go on a journey, may the angels like accompany us, whatever those angels are, whether they're you know our kids with their bright eyes and laughter and angel cards, or whether they're whatever we understand to be angels, because of course everyone might have a different notion of what a, what an angel is, and we learned you know from the parsha a couple of weeks ago that sometimes there's this play between anashim between people and angels and sometimes people are angels and sometimes angels are people and it's all this mm. kind of uh, confused world but I, I I love the idea that we because travel I mean I think people think that travel was more fraught with dangers in the ancient world but really travel is scary travel is about transition it can be emotionally scary to move from one place to another but it's also there are genuine dangers that can happen in travel. The roads can be bad. It can be snow on the roads. You know, you know. God forbid. You know, stuff goes wrong with the plane. Whatever it might be. So, before we before we say more, I want to you knowing that you are today embarking 
on a big transition out of New York City and to Budapest and then back to Cape Town. Just want to bless you that those angels are, are with you and your family on those on those travels. Amen. Yeah, and I, I think also what's important um, for us, we were we were talking on Friday night about um, uh, about emuna, about faith, and. Um, Sometimes angels are not just um, cuddly, sweet angels that give you what you need uh, when you're when you're needy. Um, angels can be the thing that happens at the time that points you onto the road that you need to go. That's not necessarily the easy road or the road that you even wanted to go on or thought you wanted to go on. Um, they can just be the person that's standing at that crossroads that just guides you on. Um, you know, I'm thinking it's a few parashiot to come. I'm thinking of the uh, the, the nameless man. <laughs> that man who w I remember us studying that with uh, yeah. John of Rabbi Dr. Jonathan Magnet, um, this man in the middle of the field who just happens to steer Joseph uh, on towards his brothers, and uh, that for him seems to be a, a, a terrible thing. He's he's going to be stripped of his coat. He's going to be thrown in a pit. He's going to be nearly murdered, and then sold into slavery. But it's uh, but and and that angel points him on and and uh, sends him on his. Well, way. just to be clear, the the Torah just describes him as an ish, as a man. Right. But the midrash, the rabbis say it was in fact the angel Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, I'm thinking about things like Satan. You know, there's so much uh, in in the modern world loaded about Satan. But um, you know, in, in in Jewish law, Satan is an angel that is the provocateur sent by God to test and try us. Um, because we need it. Uh, <laughs> angels give us what we need, sometimes not what we want. <laughs> right. And those journeys uh, that we embark on might not be the ones we thought we were going to take or needed to. Before we finish, I, I want to maybe go back to some of what you had started to say about Kislev and this mm -hmm. month where we're going to be celebrating Hanukkah um, and that idea, because I think it's it's linked to it. It's like the, the whole idea of, you know, the the classic sort of metaphors of, you know, light in the dark times and hope where there's despair and all of that. And and just wondering, because we, we had sort of started to talk about this idea of, of this hidden light that somehow gets revealed in Hanukkah. I wondered if you had any, any more to say about that. Um, yeah, so uh, as you said, I'm about to head uh, back down to the Southern Hemisphere where it's the middle of summer and Hanukkah's on the beach. Um, and uh, and light is abundant, um, but I think that we can all think about uh, not just you know the physical light or the, the heat of winter or summer, um, but there are times when we feel dark, um, when we feel the darkness around us, when we feel unsure or unclear of what it is that we are doing here and who it is that we need to be with and what is our role and task. What makes us? Uh, what makes our lives meaningful? And um, Hanukkah, I think, is is a task for the year round um, that says each and every one of us has light. Each and every one of us is light, and our task is to bring more light into the world. To start with one and to build it up, um, and to trust that the light that we have. Um, is worthy and worthwhile and valuable for us and the people around us to share. Uh, that's, for me, the most powerful message of this time and of all time, is take that light that's in you, trust it, 
and um, and share it. Mm. Beautiful. You reminded me of something that uh, Andy, your wife, said on Shabbat, which is like the the apparent contradiction in the in the Torah when we at the very beginning of the Torah when we read about creation. It it seems like there's a, some light light and dark is created on the first day it's not until the fourth day that uh, the sun and the moon and the stars are created which seems like well how can there be how can there be light and dark if there's not sun stars and moons and of course the the answer is going to be something similar to what you just said which is like we're not just talking about light in a physical sense there's some kind of primordial light that was perhaps and it is perhaps the essence of that light that is hidden away sometimes a sense of light that's that is created to to hope and possibility and abundance and faith and all of those other mm. um, those other parts of our world that are, that can feel so far from our reach sometimes, but that they they're there they they are there we just can't see them definitely and and also maybe um, to recognize in in what you're just saying now that there's also value in the in darkness um, that there are things that we wouldn't discover if we were walking in light all the time. Uh, day needs night and light needs darkness and um, our shadow lives uh, are also um, fertile and, and uh, important if somewhat difficult times to discover things that we wouldn't see if we were um, always shining um, bright fluorescent lights into our lives. An image that's going to so stay with me from this time we had together again going back to your daughter Yazi is um, this discovery of these two very cute-looking um, stuffed animals, like Garfield and a friend of Garfield's, that look so cute, so cute. And then you like press a little thing, and they pull these like vicious, angry, seething kinds of faces. And uh, sh the delight, the delight that she got from saying, "Isn't he cute? Isn't he cute? Isn't he cute?" <laughs> and it, and 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 we were saying how that's kind of like, in a sense. That the world, I mean, that the world can look beautiful and cute, but if we are in denial of the, the darkness and the shadow, um, then the light actually can be extremely deceiving. Yeah. And so the, the balance, the right balance of light and dark, I think is so important. Mm -hmm. Just as the right balance of angels and people and the right balance of going up and coming down, it's all, you know, the right balance of earth and heaven, because that's the other thing about the ladder. Mutsav Atsa, it's like rooted in the ground, but it's like its top is Shamaima, it like disappears into the heavens. And there's this constant theme in the Torah of like the way in which our spiritual lives and our physical lives and our light lives and our dark lives, our shadow and all of it is just in in some kind of harmony, but very often it feels like it's not in harmony. And some of it, like you were saying at the beginning, like the, this, the cycles of the year um, and the cycles of reading these stories again and again in the and the Torah sort of helped bring us back, I think, into into a balance. So I'm, I'm just grateful um, for the moments that you and I have uh, in, in the long journey, uh, the big journey of our lives. We have these moments where we can come together. They always feel like, uh, if they've been a year or a couple of years apart, they always feel like we really just sink back down into being uh, Mark and Greg together sharing where we, wherever we picked uh, picking up wherever we left off I'm just grateful for that and um, I know I'm physically making my journey off and you've got a couple more days in New York but uh, I'm just blessed that I've had you on my journey and I uh, want to wish everybody that's listening that um, they should 
be able to see the angels that are around them as they make their way along, whether those are the people standing next to them or uh, the ones that they're meeting uh, along the way, or whether it's just the journey, just to, to walk that journey, um, not backwards, but just to go forward on that journey with, uh, with blessings and with, uh, uh, with wholeness. And with thanksgiving, because this is the end of Thanksgiving weekend. Last time we spent Thanksgiving together was in Jerusalem. Yeah. And uh, as people who weren't brought up with those traditions, it's always nice to have rituals around, mm. around gratitude. So may we continue to, to be thankful for the connection that we have and for all of the, the great gifts, even in a world that sometimes feels like the lights have all gone out. <laughs> oh so it's great to see you. Great to see you, Greg. Thank you for spending this time and uh, see, you, see you along the journey. Thank you, Mark, and Kodesh uh, Tov to everybody. Thank you for listening to Adash and Drush. We will see you next time.